0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Hollocks Anonymous. We're going to get going here before the Internet starts cutting out again. Let's just get right into it. Dan, let's have the prayer, please.
1: May the ghost of Bobby Lane grant us the serenity to accept the things about being Lions fans we cannot change, the courage to change the things about being Lions fans we can, and the wisdom to know that the Lions will always suck.
0: Thank you for that. Very nice. Amanda now and I know Uncle Ted. Now Uncle Ted yep. has a, has a something he wants to get into. But before that, I want to do a quick hot take. Okay, do it. Just one quick, super hot take. Hot. Here it is. The hot, hot, hot. The hot take is the Lions are no worse off without Maddie Staff than they are with him. Hot. The guy who's filling in for him is just as good. They're basically playing the same exact brand of football. Having him in, having him out, makes no
2: difference. Hot take. That is really hot. That is a Isn't genuinely that is a genuinely scorching take. Hey, the numbers Horko. speak for themselves, all right? Look at the numbers. The numbers don't lie. Shit. Dino, you want to take this first? Or do we want to let Jer make his brother, Jer make his case? How do you want well, to do this? Well, let's it? let I him just, make his case. I just, I just did. Numbers don't <laughs> lie. Case closed. <laughs> That's a summary of your case. That's not the case itself. Yes, it is. Look (laughs) at the numbers, man. I'll say listen,
0: I'll say it again. I'll keep repeating the same thing over and over again if I need to.
1: Well numbers don't lie.
0: Okay, well, here's the case. All right. In the last few games, this guy's come in, played pretty well. The Lions have essentially it's the same game playing out. The offense is not demonstrably worse without Matt Stafford than it is with him. The guy who's come in, I don't even remember his name. Matt Driscoll, is it? Or something like that? Jeff. Jeff Driscoll. He may, you know, he seems like a decent enough QB, but they're basically playing well. And I think it has more to do with our receivers who are quite good and that, you know, they're not they're scoring just as many points without Stafford as they are scoring with him. They would not have won that game. The last game with Stafford wouldn't have made any difference. That's my hot take. That's
2: super toasty. Mm-hmm.
0: I love how toasty it
2: is. I'm not sure I agree, but I it's love warm and toast. toasty. It is warm and toasty. You have to oh, maybe, you're not sure you agree, huh? You when you bite into that take, you 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 are risking burning your tongue. <laughs> <And> that's how <laughs> I hot think that a ni- take is.
0: I think there's a nice toasty crunch to it.
2: <laughs> Dino, you, know, you wanna you wanna retort first? You want me to take give my take on the hot take, which will be a mildly warm take on um, the hot
1: take? I mean, look, first of all, Stafford is is my amigo. He is the man. He (laughs) is the legend. He's awesome. I'm not going to rip him, but I don't think that hot take is entirely unwarranted because Jeff Driscoll actually played well. He threw 26 passes, completed 15 for 209 yards. Not a huge amount, but two TDs, zero interceptions, which is pretty good. And he ran for 51 yards and a touchdown, which is something Stafford does not have in his repertoire is running. So in this case, yeah, I mean, this guy played probably as well, Uh, you know, scoring three touchdowns, one on his feet, two with his arm. That's pretty good. That's, you know, that's not bad. And I think um so in this case, particular case I think if you played a whole season with the two Stafford's a better quarterback but um yeah right in this particular game yes it was the defense the story of the season has not been the quarterback play in terms of why the Lions this particular uh issue of suckiness for the Lions is is almost entirely defensive related um yeah are you done
2: <laughs> Pretty much, man. <laughs> he he put he put a meat thermometer in your hot take. He pulled it out. It read 325. Yeah, toasty. <laughs> um, here's my my take. Um, yeah. I am s- saddened to admit that I don't disagree with you a ton. Mm-hmm. I disagree with you a little bit. I think Stafford is overall undeniably a better quarterback. I'm not sure how much better I think he is and it's less than I would have thought a week or two ago. Um I will say the one thing that really sticks out is if Stafford had Driscoll's mobility in the pocket that would be an amazing quarterback cuz that dude can move. Yep. He's a real threat to run and he's not a, and he's not scared to do it. I will say that I think Driscoll, for whatever reason, if it was moving indoors, if it was having another week, if it was knowing that it's quite likely he's going to be QB1 for the rest of the season, I noticed a a meaningful improvement from week one to week two with him. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think the Lions would have won the game with Stafford in Chicago. Uh, I, I don't. I still think they would have had a better chance, and the game was somewhat close this last week, but I will acknowledge that Dreskel and the offense more generally were pretty effective, and that clearly the problem overall was the fact that Matt Stafford doesn't play defense. Um, and, and the defense is just absolutely D- at best, maybe just a full 100%. F there. It's a horrid, horrid defense. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm going to quick response and then we'll move on to, to Ted's thing. But uh, listen, the Matt Stafford era hasn't really gotten us anywhere. Hasn't won a single playoff game. We've sunk $130 million into this dude. He's not an elite quarterback. That's a lot of money that you could spread around getting better players across a, a lot of different positions. And then you get a guy like a younger quarterback who's mobile there are so many young QBs coming into the league now, they're just tearing it up. And Stafford is what he is. He's had some success, but he's not a lead. And he's how much more evidence do we need that he's not our, the answer to, what, to our prayers here? I would argue even when we had a really, really good defense, still didn't turn into a playoff win. Back in the Donkey Kong Sioux days, our defense was number one or number two, and it still didn't lead. And, and still, even then, Stafford, given that, couldn't really get it done. I just think he's not elite. He's had some great moments. But when it really comes right down to it, he's just not clutch. He's not elite. Uh, it's you know time to move on. And I think these games kind of show that. Put some other dude in there, a younger dude who can move around. You basically get the same result.
2: I uh, Is there anything more Matt Stafford about Matt Stafford's career than Matt Stafford getting ripped on our podcast no. during a week he doesn't even play? Nope.
1: Yeah, and also the having had perhaps his best season so far and definitely what would have been a Pro Bowl season. Um, yeah.
0: So what? Oh, the Pro Bowl. He Ooh, played. played Bowl, he was definitely wow. a top the Pro, Bowl. The Pro Bowl. The he's Pro Bowl played, is so great. Okay, I always watch the Pro Bowl because it's such a cool, fun, entertaining game. That's what I hope for. This hot take. take. This is a hot,
2: bitter take. Empty statistics. Empty stats. So, brother,
1: brother Jer has flown off the deep end. How well has Brady played this year, brother Jer? He's played great. No, he's played like absolute shit.
0: What's your record?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's my point. Is a quarterback only? Yes, sometimes a quarterback can make the difference but in this case brady's played like absolute crap he's having yeah, perhaps right. his worst season they and they're um mm. and they only have one loss and stafford's having his best season and playing like a far better than brady is this year he's playing like a top 5 he is a top 5 quarterback this year and it doesn't matter cuz this team sucks and we see this you know, all the time we see this uh, this sort of thing happen when you have a shit defense, a defense that is not bad. It's historically bad. It has a chance to go down as one of the worst three defenses, I would say, of all time.
0: Oh, the defense fucking sucks.
2: Tom so Brady nice, historically bad. Get, they're getting on the, they're getting on the, I don't think this has punches. shit to do with him. I
1: think it's far more to do with their coaching with Belichick because when Tom, the one year Tom Brady went down, they still won like 11 games or something. Cause it's a good organization that has good players everywhere. We have a shit organization that has Stafford's one of the only good things about it, but we have about, three or four professional players. The rest should be kicked out of the league.
0: Do you want to know partly why the Patriots have been so successful beyond the fact that Brady's the, the GOAT? He's never been the highest paid QB. He's Right now, he's the 18th highest paid QB in the league. Okay, And he's always sacrificed salary for winning, and they've been able to spend that money and put really good players around him. Not even superstars, just solid players at every position. And I, the Lions have never done that. Safford is way overpaid for what he's actually produced, and it's crippled the team. The, part of the reason they don't have a good defense is they't they, they don't have the players. They can't pay them. They, and, and, and then it, it it's like a, it's like a feedback loop. The Lions sucks, so really good players don't want to play there. And now we got Trey Flowers, and evidently he has a, he has a brain injury. True. The man has
2: a brain injury. Did you guys? Did you guys hear that he was um, composing rhymed verse in Braille in the locker room after the game?
0: I think he was uh, rewriting rewriting the King James Bible entirely in palindromes.
2: That is impressive. Yeah.
0: It's good for him. All right, you know. let's move on before the internet. Fucks Look, up. wait,
1: wait, wait! No, I'm not moving on. Oh Screw boy. You. Okay. Oh, boy. Uh, here's. Let me read you the list of. Because you're, you're totally wrong about what you just said. No, I'm not. That the fault is all the contract Stafford has, and they haven't had money to go out and sign people. They spent a shit ton of money this past offseason. You know who they signed? No. Cornerback Justin Coleman to a four-year $36 million so what deal. What happened to that guy? Yeah, he sucks. Oh, great. Trey Flowers, five-year, $90 million deal. He is done next to nothing. Maybe he's even our best defensive player. And tight end, Jesse James to a (sighs) four-year, $28.5 million deal. Those were our top signings. Those, At least two of those people have been absolute busts, and Trey Flowers has had maybe one good game.
0: So what's and, your point? And
1: you're complaining about Matt Stafford. What about the big signing of Rashawn Melvin as a corner as a quarter cornerback. Ooh.
2: Wow. Wow. I'm going to go D all of the above. Can I yeah, do that? You can. Jerry. I'm there. still here.
1: You know what? Brother Jerry may okay. as well dropped off because he's been talking out of his ass and there he goes yes we knocked him out (laughs)
2: knockout knockout
1: down (laughs) goes frazier all
2: right um let's uh i assume jair is going to get back on in a moment we'll find out soon enough i'm not gonna launch my awesome awesome monologue which will end with a number of questions posed to you and are they going to involve math until jair gets back on they are not going to uh, involve math at all. This is a you.
1: math-free. Sweet math. Jesus!
2: This is a math-free good. segment. I, I, unlike you, I can be taught, and I learned quickly not to do that math that. Was good. With you guys. That was wonderful. <laughs> we, oh, we man.
1: appreciate it. Um, I thought. Um, by the way, just as long as we're riffing here, um, there's a great, uh, headline in the Detroit Free Press, um, uh, sports section. I, at least on the website or not if it's in the paper, but it says Detroit lions think they're close to being a terrifying defense comma in a good way.
2: Yeah. Well, Jer read me that um, read me that right before you got on.
1: Okay. He read the whole, okay. Cause, he just read yeah, the
2: headline. He just read the headline. And yeah. then I, I had to go to the bathroom cause I was choking on my vomit. Um, yeah. And this is we part didn't of the, get any more into it. So here's
1: just, just to let you know, where some CN competence Justin Coleman sees hope. Now, remember, he's one of the guys' uh, big free agent signings of the past year. Does he, right?
2: Does he see hope in buying his mother a mansion? Does he, um, does he see no. hope in driving a Bentley?
1: He does not see that particular form of hope. He said... He believes the Lions defense is close to being what head coach Matt Patricia intended for it to be all along. One of the most terrifying defenses you can go against. Nobody wants to sit there and go against man coverage all day, Coleman said. And I feel like we cover pretty damn well. I added the damn, by the
2: way. And we're just going to have to finish. That's all. We just got to finish. So can you explain what he might mean? In his use of the verb "finish,"
1: I think that finishing might mean like trading all of the current defensive players <laughs> for a whole new team of competent ones, and then having them finish the season. I, I'm that's the only logical conclusion I can make.
2: So let me let me ask a question, and I I I don't even know what an answer would look like for this. Yeah, but you know how. In basketball, if a team tries to run something like the triangle offense, right, right, it can be very, very hard to execute and you look awful when you're trying to learn it, but then when it clicks, you're really potent. Is there any chance at all? I'm assuming the answer is no, and I don't know what an answer yes would look like, that the lions are on defense running something similar to the triangle offense. Like they're trying to build this m- intricate, back. complex defensive machine. Oh, boo. Okay. Boo.
1: sorry. I had to boo you. Hot
2: take. <laughs> I don't know what just happened. So is So did yeah, you we don't either. So Jerry, I'll All bring right. you up to speed. Dan read, uh, Uh, The part of that article that you read right before we went on the air about the Lions defense becoming, quote, terrifying. And I asked him after I finished laughing, is there any chance at all that the Lions defense is something like the Chicago Bulls triangle offense in that until you really learn how to execute it, it's Hmm. horrible? And then once it clicks, you're potent force. My guess is that absolutely right. not. Right. No. But I it did make me wonder if somehow that's like we're so close to having this amazing defense uh, that we're working on. Or is it is is that any possibility at all? I'd I like to that. see some evidence
0: of this awesome, terrifying defense. That would be nice.
2: Um
1: yeah, so you're suggesting that Patricia is definitely knows exactly what he's doing and, and it's just hasn't all clicked yet, but when it does, wow, look out, this defense will be terrifying. No, I think it is already terrifying for all the wrong reasons. It's terrifying to watch as a Lions fan that, that this combination of supposedly pro level players could play this poorly together. Um And, as for the triangle offense, if you remember, it worked in exactly two situations with the championship Bulls teams and the championship Lakers teams. Every time a former coach, um, like I believe, um, what's his name, Kurt, um, Kurt Rambis, ran Rambis. it when. Yes. Rambis ran Rambis <laughs> it when he went to Charlotte with a bunch of scrub players and it was terrible. I mean, the yeah. there's no such thing as a great defensive scheme
2: Well, that I'm not
1: could work without great players. I just don't, I don't believe that. I think that Bob Quinn I... has shown now he's had control of the team as general manager for two years. He took a team that was nine and seven and, Under his reign, they are now 9-16. and I'm sorry, under Patricia's reign, he actually kept Patricia the first year. But he's turned a team that was competent into one that is totally incompetent. And I would say back to square one. But for the Lions, square one is more just like square negative 80. It's just shit.
0: Yeah. Can I read a quote from that article real quick? So Dallas's Dak Prescott said Sunday he had so much time in the pocket, he could go through his reads multiple times before getting rid of the ball. I'm pretty sure I saw him a couple times drop back and, like, check his
2: Instagram account. Like, that's how much time that dude had. Dak Prescott had so much time in the pocket, he wrote a thought piece for the Huffington (laughs) Post. (laughs) (laughs) Called... Called, called. Call, Keep call going. Time Come on, speed the- round. <laughs> Dak Prescott had so much time in the pocket. <laughs> Dak Proscott had so much time in the in the pocket. He got his masters through Phoenix University in business management. He was actually writing <laughs> seminar papers in in the pocket. <laughs> Dak Prescott had so much time in the pocket, he fell in and out of love with a young woman in Section 128. Dak Prescott. They had a child. They had an ugly divorce. They got back together. Her mother moved in with them. He checked off his tight end. They had three children. They grew old together together. <laughs> they relocated to Florida while he was playing in Detroit. Dak Prescott had so much time in the That's pocket he wrote right. a then best-selling novel
0: that was unfair uh, that was that was unfairly savage by the critics.
1: Dak Prescott had so much time in the pocket that he actually left the pocket, left the entire stadium while the defense was still nice. searching for him, went to uh downtown Detroit, Lafayette, Coney Island, ordered three uh chili dog conies with fries and extra grilled onions scarfed them down um took an uber back to the stadium waddled back onto the field and back into the pocket um nice. and scrambled for a 23 yard gain Jer-
2: jer's gone again jer's gone again
1: yeah he had all kinds of time <laughs> yeah G- yeah and it may be intentional at this point. Let's not,
2: um, um, you know. I think Jer's let's, let's internet service is provided that. by um, the Silver and Honolulu Blue Wireless Service. Oh, he's back, I think. He's back.
1: Most most likely. I like, he just texted us that we <laughs> blanked out again. No, I think that's on you, buddy. We're doing <laughs> yeah. just fine. We're potting the shit out of this. and. Yeah, well, t- you are just a lost cause, my friend. I, You know what? That's what happens when you come in too hot. When you come in with takes that are just that <laughs> sizzling, you got nowhere to go. You just burn it all up. And there's nothing left that can be done. You just, you, he burned up his Wi-Fi. Wow.
2: You hot took yourself, you hot took it's yourself hot. into a yeah, corner.
1: He burned down the whole, you know, all the cables in his house. He burned down that damn Wi-Fi.
2: And now where is he? <laughs> we we read we read the paper tomorrow and there actually was like a yeah, horrible place in, in Bloomington. I don't know.
1: I think I think we need to go on with this. I, I want I think we need to soldier yeah. on somehow some way. Okay. Because this is a well, I have a time in the season. This is a time Where we are sitting around asking ourselves why what just a few weeks ago felt like it was still entertaining and fun, and there was still something to root for. Now we are sludging our way through this, like it's more an act of endurance, an act of insanity, one that tests. Everything we are, not just as sports fans, but as human beings, our endurance for putting up with just the random shittiness of our favorite team and the random shittiness of life that seems to deal us this every year and put us in this position of scratching our minds, thinking, How can we why are we still doing this? knowing that. We shouldn't, and next season, we should just move away somewhere to some deserted island far away. I'm talking about when September rolls around, the beginning of football season, be away from the Lions, be away from Detroit, be away from any form of communication. That's the only way to play this safe, and yet we know, fuck, I'll probably be at Ford Field opening day because there will be some stupid reason, some draft pick, that will tickle my interest, and I'm going to fall right back into it. So please, Todd, give me something to take my mind off this present wave of
2: self-loathing. So I hate to inform you as much as I – and I and that monologue really hit home. Um, much of what I have to say is, is an illustration of what you're talking about. Okay. Um, well, I'll be – how could it not be? I guess right? I guess you're right about that. So what? Here's I, I want to talk about my experience watching the game, and not watching the game, as you'll hear. And uh, right. I have sort of two titles for this segment, and and I think they both name perhaps different parts of what happened. Especially the first one. The second one, you'll have to tell me. The first is right. The Lions of Grandeur was is the first title. And and okay. the second is Phantom Lion. Um, the mm. other thing I wanted I like to say, that. and it's a shame that Jer has disappeared on us, but I also mm-hmm. just wanted to point out. I keep meaning to point this out every week, and I always forget. But when I listen back on our episodes, I'll admit I do that. One of the yep. things that sticks out to me more than almost anything else is Brother Jer's size. Have you yeah, heard that's those?
1: True. Yeah, he's
2: got. There are these really well timed, I think totally natural, and un like not self aware, um right. really sad size. And yeah. I feel like I first of all, I feel like instead of playing either of our songs in or out at the beginning of the podcast, he should just do a montage of him sighing. Because yeah. I feel like that's the soundtrack to this podcast. Yeah, or maybe um, put him and I th- put
1: him to a beat or something.
2: Right. That's true. You could mix it. Yeah. So Hold on, just a sec. Yeah, ah. had to close the door. No, that's good. That's um, all right. So here's—I want to tell the, the story about my experience watching this game, and because I think it—it's a—it's a potent and weird and painful and troubling illustration of um, what you were just talking. About. Sure. So here we go. I was planning on not watching any of Sunday's game. Stafford's out, Right. the Lions cannot make the playoffs. So I have, I have a, what is the point of this times two? Two really good reasons. Either one by themselves is a good reason. Mm-hmm. And together, they basically check all the boxes of like, don't watch this game. Right. I'm assuming and hoping that they're going to get clobbered. And I'm really looking forward to having the time and mental health back. Like just to have a Sunday yeah. that I'm just doing other things. So idiot moment number one comes midway through, I guess, midway through the first quarter, maybe late in the first quarter. And I see that the Lions either have the lead or it's close. They've put up points. And all I'm doing, I'm at home. I'm catching up on email. I'm doing some housework. I'm listening to some music. I'm having like a great Sunday. I've I've come to realize, hold on. Sorry, my cat keeps coming in and out. It's a fiasco. Yep. Um I, I've come to realize in my in my middle old age that my favorite thing to do on the weekend is absolutely oh, yeah. nothing. And so I'm doing nothing and I'm having a great right. time doing it. And um but the but I peek and the lines are in it and it looks like they're putting up points and all I'm doing is, you know, just meet, like things that I can do while I'm watching the game. So I turn it on. They immediately right. start to suck. Like not ambiguously. They're, I turn it on and I swear to God, the first four plays I watched, there yeah. were three penalties. They just—they had so many penalties in the first half. And I saw all of them in succession. So they quickly fall behind. I turn it off right before it's 24-14 at halftime. And I'm like, this is done. This is over. That was stupid of me, but not a ton of time burnt, and it mm-hmm. didn't take too much of a toll. And then, basically, the same thing happens in the second half, both right. in regards to the game itself and in regards to my experience of it. So, I, I peek back, and now it's like 24, 21, and... I turn it back on, I'm watching the lines come back. I know it's gonna be ultimately futile. I'm 94% certain throughout my entire right. viewing experience that they're not gonna win this game, but there's that 6% that just won't right, leave right. me alone. It just won't leave me alone. And I felt, so obviously I felt the self-loathing that you've yep. already mentioned. But the other thing that I was really fixating on during the game, was, yeah All the fans there. I was like, "Why right. are they there? Why are yep. they wearing Lions gear? Why are these people spending a lot of money to see the Lions play? Why do they see and those jerseys? Like they they're like a hundred dollars. Why do the they?" S- yeah. Oh yeah. No no no. I mean, you go, you go to a Lions game. You get average tickets, you buy the average amount of food, you wear the average amount of gear, you pay for parking. I, what I, is that, what's that cost that person? Well, when
1: I took my, per person? took my son this year, we easily, uh, probably 300 bucks. Just for the two of us, for the two of us.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it
1: was just- 150 per person, and that was right. cheap. We didn't was, buy, I'm sure most people it's closer to 200.
2: Yes. So part of me was just looking at them and sort of seeing this weird, like it was a Mm -hmm. kind of a looking in the mirror moment of just like, what, what is wrong with all of us? Like, how did this happen? Why do we keep coming back for more? So here's my questions for you. And they're a little more specific than the last questions I just added asked. Um, And they may or may not be rhetorical. Question number one is why Mm -hmm. did I allow myself to watch it all? Question number two is why did I come to the conclusion more than once that my watching the game was hurting the lion's performance? (laughs) And or why does Hashem prevent me from seeing in real time any lion's success? And note that there's, you may recall, this is the second week in a row of this shit. I watched the shitty, shitty Bears game. The Lions scored 13 points. I saw three of them and watched almost the entire game. And then my last question, number three, is are the answers to questions number one and two actually somehow connected? Is there some underlying cause that might explain my behavior and my beliefs? The floor is yours. Oh, my God. The floor is yours, brother. Yeah. I, I just... Well, I couldn't believe I found myself hurt- back there. Well, look.
1: The the name of this podcast is Rural Holics and you I think have a false sense that you can walk away from this at any time and be fine. I think you made the fatal mistake of thinking you were somehow above this that you could check in for just a minute, maybe just, you know, just check the score and if they're close, maybe I'll just check it out like I I'll share my experience on the other hand. So I, this is the first game I really did not watch much of, of the year. And part of the reason was um, I had a good excuse, which I had to drive my son pretty far for his lacrosse. game. Sweet. And then while the lacrosse is only an hour total, but the driving there, the lacrosse driving back um, I did listen up, Listen to it a little bit in the car, but listening is really, you know, it's wild, but I gave myself, I mean, I didn't really give myself. I had something to Mm -hmm. do. You have to, Todd, you, you know, the devil will find work for idle hands to do. Okay. And you just, you said it yourself. The thing you like doing best on a Sunday is nothing. Now that may be all well and great when the lions aren't playing You could read, but you know that when the Lions are playing and you're just doing nothing and you're just, you know, sitting around, which is a great thing to do normally, but it's like your curiosity is going to get the best of you. You have to make other plans, dude. You have to, you need a support fucking system. Okay. You need, you know, you need to be around people and not Lions fans. None of this like social Lion at stuff. You need to be around people with no football interest. You know, mm-hmm. um, some of your literary friends who are not football or, or whatever, your wife, well, I, I don't know, just find those people, make plans, go to the art museum, somewhere far, far away from this, you know, seclude yourself in nature somewhere, go skiing, I don't care. But if you want out, you have to take proactive measures. And that's that's my answer number one in a very real sense not taking this rhetorically at all. Now to take it a little more rhetorically I'm gonna respond by reading on Lions this is um, okay from a, a, a website called um, Detroit Sports Nation okay and what it says here is Detroit Lions fans stay home for Thanksgiving and force Martha Ford's hand. Okay. And the article reads as such enough is enough Detroit lions fans. How many times have you heard or read those exact words? How many times have you gotten your hopes up only to have those hopes crapped on by an incompetent lions organization yet year after week year after year, we come back, sip back some lions Kool-Aid and get ready for another season, a season that we know damn well will end with our hearts being broken. Lions Nation, it's time to make a statement that Lions owner Martha Ford and her family will hear loud and clear, so changes are made. And it goes on to say that Lions fans should utterly boycott the Thanksgiving Day game, which is, of course, Detroit's pride and glory going back, I think, like all the way to the beginning of the NFL, that Detroit, no matter how shitty it is, the Lions always get to Host a Thanksgiving game, and indeed, that would be a pretty striking statement. But will it happen? Of course not. Those tickets are already sold. People are going to show up, and that's kind of you know the thing year after year where everyone knows this. But I want to read one of the um, internet comments to this article. Um, that I think will answer your question in a sort of poignant way. It's by writer Belinda Eddings. She writes in, My father died in 1990. Every Thanksgiving for years before he passed, he would have a TV placed in the dining room so we could watch the Lions play through the 70s on Thanksgiving. I'm 60 years old now. Will I ever see the Lions win? at least 5 thanksgiving games before i die dear dad up in heaven they are still losing it wouldn't be thanksgiving if they didn't lose you always said shake my head this means um or yeah this and she says this means i'm shaking my head holsey my dad um so i just feel like it's not you know the lions as Utter losers is something that's been passed down for a generation. Here, uh, I don't even know what this woman is bemoaning. It seems like she's sort of comforted by the fact that they're still losing because that's what her dad was used to, or something. I mean, that is that not the ultimate
2: pathology of fandom? It's amazing. It's amazing. It almost sounds like I don't know. There, and I know that this isn't. The, the ethnic makeup of the Detroit area necessarily, but it, it almost is like some very Northern Europe sense of like, we just endure these horrible winters and they pass yeah. and they pass and we move on. And, and yes, there's a heightened suicide rate. And yes, there's some, some real inescapable darkness, but it passes. It's, it's our lot. This is where we are in the world. Right, right. There's there's summer.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And we continue to not only watch this team, but to enrich, to line the pockets of the Ford family. And I I have nothing personally against them. I mean, other than the original Ford's virulent anti-Semitism, which One could say, you know, he took it a bit far in terms of his praise for Hitler. Um, But aside from that, you know, the man built some great cars, yada, yada, employed a lot of people. But my God, his progeny have owned this team for so long and have done so little and act in such a ridiculous, buffoonish manner in you know, their leadership of this team in terms of, you know, I I may have mentioned this on an earlier podcast, but I think it's worth repeating that the president of um, the organization is a man named Rod Wood that the Lions hired, that Martha Ford hired after firing the last regime in 2015. Rod Wood's chief experience was being some kind of financial advisor to the Fords. And at his introductory press conference, he opened by saying, I know almost nothing about running a football team. <laughs> he said this openly at his press conference, to which the only response amongst fans should have been, yeah, well, fuck you. And, and fuck the family that hired you because... That says it all. You, they've been hiring incompetence, whether it's Matt Millen, Rod Wood. Actually, I think Martin Mayhew, the previous guy, was was probably more competent than most. He, he kind of, you know, uh, I mean, I'm not saying all the drafts were great, but the team did make the playoffs a few times, which for the Lions is not terrible. Um, but my God, I mean, it's just... I, the only link that can be drawn to all of these decades of of shittiness is the Ford family. So that's – I can't – it's really hard to sort of place your thumb on exactly what an owner is doing wrong because owners are so behind the scenes. And yet this whole organization just reeks from the inside out.
2: So I, 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 I agree with everything you said. Um, and I also want to say that the first part of your response about needing to have other plans, um, it seems like this is a real opportunity from some charity work, some activism. Yep, it's a lot of ways I could spend my time. Yes. But in regards to the second thing, I do want to say, and, and this is very much, I don't know if this language is right out of the recovery community mm-hmm. or is merely related to it, but This is a thing that I can't remember where I first heard it, but I say it quite a lot in my life, especially when my wife and I are talking about some other dysfunctional couple and somebody treating somebody poorly and things like that. There are no victims. There are only volunteers. So, you know... I I I don't know very much at all about the Ford family in terms of how they are running this team. Obviously, they're not doing a good job. Yep. I don't know that much about the hires. The, all the names you mentioned are familiar, but on a certain level, and this is largely echoing what you said at the beginning, um, it doesn't matter. Like yes. we are signing up for this, and we just need to stop Agreed. signing up. I, for
1: it. If if the goal here is actually, and I mean, I'm cutting you know really cutting through all the bullshit here if the goal is to really really walk away then you just have to stop just fucking stop 100% cold turkey walk away and never ever come back and i do think that's that is i i have a uh, my my personal trainer right now um, I've <laughs>
2: whoa, 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 whoa!
1: You have a personal trainer? well, a trainer, right? A guy who helps me work out.
2: That's awesome. Keep yeah, going. Been- Keep going. Okay, I just have I've to been- read. I just have to readjust my uh, yeah, yeah, my yeah, whole view of the universe. That you no, no, no. Just it,
1: it's it gets a lot weirder than that. That's the most normal part of what I'm about to say. Um, he's an amazing person. He's 71 years old. He's he's a black guy who's a former um, like Mr. Universe contestant or at least Mr. America like bodybuilder contestant. He Hmm. is by far the most ripped jacked 71 year old I've ever seen. I, I don't know if there's someone 71 years old who's in as good shape as him in the '80s, he was the world's number one Mr. T impersonator. He, he throughout his God. entire career as a competitive bodybuilder, he was a, a alcoholic, a blackout alcoholic. Which to which he uh, said to me, "Think of how much better I could have been if I wasn't drinking." And I'm looking at these pictures of him competing; like I don't even know what to imagine. You are just. Pure muscle. So I guess maybe there's a higher level to go, but whatever. He also, just to take it one step further, uh, until 15 years ago when he went to Alcoholics Anonymous for the first time, he was completely illiterate. So illiterate that when he had to write a check, he told me he would have to drive to a corner to an intersection to look at the street signs to be able to write the numbers for the check because Detroit has eight mile, nine mile, six mile. That's so this guy was given pretty much every disadvantage in life in terms of education. Um, Also a rip roaring alcoholic. He turned his life around through Alcoholics Anonymous. He learned to read when his sponsor at AA gave him the big book, which is the book that every uh, participant in Alcoholics Anonymous has to read. And it's, it is indeed a book, big book. I think it's like 400, 500 pages and said, you have to read this. He said, I don't know how to read. The guy kindly put it on cassette tapes for him. And he learned to read by following line by line, word by word to a, uh, a recording of the big book so why am i mentioning all of this because this guy is now training me he's an amazing trainer i'm not i was in absolute garbage shape before i started seeing him um he's i'm getting there to be honest but the biggest but i had been lifting weights with him and it's lifting weights with him is more of yes it wears you out physically but it's kind of a very spiritual experience as well to do it with him because it's like he'll correct every little thing you do until you're sort of in this place of like pure alignment with the weights you're doing things in just a a certain prescribed matter in a certain flow and it's pretty awesome and I, I can definitely feel I could feel myself getting stronger however I have struggled with my weight on and off for like I'd say 15, 18 years or so. And, you know, weight goes up, weight goes down, but it's been up for quite a while. And he had been telling me throughout the summer, Hey, we got to talk about your diet. And I'd say, yeah, 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 sure. And finally a month ago, he's like, okay, it's time to really have a conversation about your diet. And he proceeded to tell me some really just basic things about just making sure to eat protein, a certain amount of protein every day, a certain amount of carbs, a certain amount of fat, and drink a lot of water. Some really basic things that I've probably already heard before. And he said, you don't have to count calories. And I said, well, what, so what do I have to do? And he looked me dead in the eyes with his like Mr. T eyes. And he said, you're feeding your body garbage your body doesn't want it, and you're killing yourself. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, I guess, I, yeah, I guess. And he said, no, you're feeding your body garbage, your body doesn't want it, and you're killing yourself. And I could feel something inside of me just kind of turn at that moment because as he's saying this i'm looking into a full walled mirror of me standing there at age 45 looking like a fucking mashed potato lump of mashed potato in wow. this guy at 71 looking like a fucking adonis and not that i need to look like an adonis but i'm like which of these people staring at me in the mirror should I believe at this moment? Wh- whose path ought I follow? And there was just, the answer was so damn clear. And I actually asked my shrink about this later because it had such a profound effect on me. A couple weeks later, I asked her, I told her the story and she said, mm-hmm. Oh, he hypnotized you. And I was like, what? Cause I said, I, I mean, <laughs> for the past month I have followed his, I haven't eaten shit at all. I mean, I've eaten, if I eat it, it's like one piece of candy and I'm done. And I've just followed exactly what he said for the first, I mean, for the first time in like two decades almost. And my shrink said, <laughs> Yeah, he hypnotized you. I was like, What are you talking about? He didn't. She's like, No, no, no. He didn't pull out a, a watch and do the whole like, da, 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 you know, the whole thing. But he, you have trust in him. You have every reason to believe him. He has built a rapport with you. And, he looked you in the eyes and he said something with full honesty and you received it completely. And that's a form of, you were open to the suggestion. He gave it to you in as convincing a manner as possible. And it just clicked. And I'm like, you know what? That's, that's fucking true. It is a form of hypnosis. And the other thing when I, so just to double back, cause it's mm-hmm. almost over, but not quite because I started doing something with him right after I, I I felt that change kind of happen internally. I was like, Oh my God, I think, I think I'm actually going to do what he just told me to do. But I've, you know, like any old person who overeats a lot, you're always like thinking you're on the cusp of a change and then you just blow it. But I was like, this actually feels different. And I started explaining it to him a little bit right then and there. And I said, Hey man, you know I I don't know what you just what you just said really resonates with me because you know all these years I think the reason I've been overeating and I it, it, and he goes stop. I didn't ask you why you're overeating. Maybe maybe you're just doing it cuz it tastes good. You're feeding your body junk. Your body doesn't want it and you're killing yourself. And you repeated that and he was like And I realized something else at that second, some of us, and this is a corollary to what you just said, which is there are no victims. There are only volunteers. And I realized with my weight, I am one of those people who would rather get into some lengthy discussion about why I overeat than just doing the most important thing, which is just stop fucking doing it. It doesn't matter why you could have a hundred reasons. Right. Or like my, you know, my trainer said it could just taste good. That doesn't matter. Like shit. I am, I am. And that goes to me being a lion's fan. I am enamored. I'm, I'm bringing it all back, but you to walk away from this shit, you need to be hypnotized. You need to make a clean break and to just realize how bad this is for you and walk away. But right now, I don't know if I'm willing to do it because part of being a Lions fan is this ability to complain. Instead of curing it, I am seduced by this ability to channel all of my life disappointment, everything into my disappointment in this team. It's <laughs> bring it back. Somewhat bring it back helpful to have yeah. this chronically shitty team that is just emblematic of all of life's shittiness of all of our own personal failures we can sort of channel into this team of all the dumb shit we do that we don't know why the bad habits we have the bad personality ticks that we never bother to fix we can sort of relate to this team through it and rather than fix any of those things Mm. we can just watch the lions and fucking rail at them every year and yet continue to do it or we can actually just walk away in better lives right now i don't know man i i will walk away from this season to an extent partially because my son has lacrosse every sunday And that's no. That's
2: like I'll stop eating munchos partially because I just got my jaw wired <laughs> shut. Yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> now you're talking. Um, I mean, that's like almost this the stomach stapling portion of this. But <laughs> will I go back next year? Probably yes. I will say that in all honesty, I will be will watching you- next year.
2: So first of all, that was that was profound. Yes. That was really, that was fantastic. Oh, and and by the
1: way, my trainer, and I forgot to mention this one part, he not only reads English now, he reads fluent Hebrew because he he converted to Judaism and had Uh, his bar mitzvah at age 70, okay, and now he not only preaches to me about the benefits of healthy eating, but also about Hashem, which is what he, he calls God. So, Hashim. yeah, Hashem.
2: Can I, and and obviously, though we don't need to dwell no. on this, there was probably a circumcision somewhere in the midst.
1: Um, there, yeah, there was like a um when so everyone knows Jews are circumcised when an already circumcised male becomes Jewish they have to do something called a hatafat dam which means it's almost like a mini circumcision you don't have a foreskin but they have to draw blood from the tip of your uh, symbolically from the tip of your penis as a male
2: there's nothing symbolic about no it. It.
1: it's very very real it's like a finger prick to the tip of your penis and it's
2: Oh, yeah, on. and it, exactly.
1: And, you know, many a man wouldn't. I, I think he was, you know, Rube, uh, Ruben, my buddy, it, after he did his penis prick, he was back to, you know, leg lifting 200 pounds later that day. Son, Son of a, a bitch. bitch. Exactly.
2: All right, wait. So I want to ask you to repeat one thing, which is the mantra. What did he say? I want to write yeah. this down. Give, give it to me sure. slowly. You're Go. feeding your body junk. You're feeding your body your junk. Your body
1: doesn't want it.
2: Your body doesn't And want you're it. killing yourself. And yeah. you're killing yourself.
1: And I kept wow. thinking like, so, do you I, think, I, uh, listeners, if whoever you are, I'm not like I'm overweight, but I'm not rotund. I, I I'm not like someone.
2: No, no, I can I can vouch for for Dan. Dan is 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 very standard middle aged suburban yes. guy who's probably put on. Because here's something somebody told me. This is going into the full yeah, weight yeah, gain sure. podcast. But somebody once told me something that was really like opened my eyes, which is if you gain just one pound a year, every year after yeah. you graduate high school, by the time you're 48, oh you've my gained God. 30 yeah. pounds. Yeah. And right. a lot of dudes do that. A lot oh, of yeah, dudes do that. Oh yeah, for
1: sure. And for me, I know I started gaining weight after I had kids. Um, and I started drinking after I had kids. I'm not an alcoholic, but I had never really enjoyed drinking and never really seen the point of it. And um now I'm grateful I'm not an alcoholic because I can still drink. But um raising kids yeah, yeah, has sure. been stressful. It's it's well, the combined stress, and I've my kids have put me through the ringer quite a bit um as you know, preteens and teenagers. But not only that, but it's The combined stress combined with the fact that kids like to eat really high fat carb load foods like um, grilled cheese and mac and cheese, which when you're stressed out, you just like scarf down a bunch of leftover mac and cheese and it will like it's kind of like doing a Quaalude or something. I, I imagine I've never done Quaaludes, but that's what I'm thinking.
2: Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, yeah, so I, it's it's yeah.
1: all related. It's all tied together, right? Mm-hmm. And probably, no, In I also moved back to Detroit and became a more dedicated Lions fan, and that's also when I started gaining weight. So, you know, you be the judge.
2: Yeah. Well, I'll just, I mean, I'll just say that that mantra, I, I can't figure out a way to transpose it into the Lions, but I will say that what is... Interesting about the the sort of syntax or structure of the sentence is that it's giving expression to the sort of the split subject, right? You are doing this to yourself. I, I can can I try try to translate it? Go. You're watching the lions.
1: Your body doesn't want the lions. You're killing yourself. Your your spirit, yeah, can't take any more lions, and you're killing your soul. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. You're yeah, snuffing out pretty... your soul.
2: Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's
1: something like that. <laughs> it's in that, you know, it's just doing repeated damage. But yeah, do you want to go on? Do you have like you you said you had a bunch of questions and I don't want to get in the way, but that one was quite the question and it's it gets to the heart of the podcast, the heart of everything we've been dealing with our whole lives as Lions fans and and this season in a nutshell, why are we still here? What is the what is the meaning of any of this?
2: Well, but I guess the the question I would I would ask in terms of us sort of pursuing the analogy between what he said to you and and what you're you've done to your body and. Um, and the mantra is, you know, you mentioned. I, I don't think. And again, he would say it doesn't matter, right? I, it tastes good. It doesn't matter. You're killing exactly. Yourself. Stop trying to
1: look for reasons. Stop trying to right. self-analyze it, because you're you like that. That's what you. That's what you get off on, and you're not doing shit about it.
2: Yeah. Well. So then, basically, honestly, if we're going to acknowledge the truth in what that man said to you. Yeah. Which I don't, I I, I don't, I I understand the hypnosis thing, but I actually, I I come at it from a very different angle, which is I think certain truths, if you really confront them, Mm -hmm. if you really listen to them, you can't, Close your, You cannot close your eyes to them after you've seen the truth. Mm-hmm. Like after you've really seen it. And, and a truth that is sort of pure and big like this. Mm-hmm. And, and we spend a lot of time finding ways to close our eyes or look away from truths that are big and pure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have to say... This is a dr- dramatic moment in the podcast, and it's a- an utter tragedy that Jeremy's not here. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to pursue the truth of this, we, this has to be the last podcast.
1: Yeah, or or the podcast changes dramatically, and maybe we talk about it's a recovery, what we did with yeah. our Sunday instead yeah. of watching the lions. And it, yeah, and, and we it. turn let's the corner it and it becomes a more upbeat podcast about people are actually recovering instead of just talking about <laughs> it and never doing shit about it.
2: Okay. Can I just tell you the funniest fucking saddest thing? And I'm not kidding. Yeah. And this was not planned. Sure. As you said that I literally went and was like, who are they playing
1: this? <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Because you're like, wait a second, this might be the, yeah, they're playing Washington, which is probably a game they're going to win, even though I think Stafford's probably out for the year, but as we said, hey, this young
2: quarterback doesn't look too bad. So, yeah. Anyways, but let's, uh, we're at, we're, we're at an hour. Yeah. Um, I think we should wrap it. I feel like, I don't feel like we're going to get past where we just got, which I feel like was an important moment. Right. Um. But so maybe we should just, you know, we we should just end it by saying you're feeding your soul lions, your body doesn't, your soul doesn't want lions, and you're killing your soul. Yeah.
1: And can we wait? I mean, just to clarify, um, the game this coming week is against Washington. Is it a one o'clock game?
2: Uh, I don't know, I think so. Okay, let's, should, there's no way it wouldn't be because
1: they're, yeah, they're both, both eastern. right, eastern teams. So yeah, so Detroit at Washington this coming week, the three six and one Lions at the one and nine Redskins. I mean, Jeez. this is almost a heaven sent game to stop watching Lions. There's no conceivable reason to watch this game other than. A pathetic addiction. So I will be okay. My, my, I need to have my son at lacrosse at two o'clock one o'clock when one o'clock rolls, rolls around, I will be probably, I, I plan to be walking my dog and then driving my son right to lacrosse, thus avoiding all lions. What is your plan? Pod for avoiding lines, just so we can kind of look out for ourselves and not yeah. wing this.
2: Well, I I currently don't have a plan. I need to come up with a plan. I will uh, tell that you worries me. really I should worry you. Yeah. Um from three to four PM. So the game is nearly over then. Right. I'm actually helping someone with their Devar Torah. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely.
1: A Bible I, I could read. I
2: could read the parasha, which I don't know what it is for this week, and prepare. Yeah, um, yeah. It's actually Joey Garfield's daughter. It's a real mitzvah. Oh, it's one of the things she likes to do. Yeah. Um, so, but I will come up with a plan. My aunt is also visiting from from Detroit. Oh. Uh, one of my mother's well, sisters is coming to visit us. So I will be doing something she does not care about football.
1: And this week's so parasha, Torah portion, is Chayei Sarah. There's plenty to talk about. You can spend, oh,
2: nice.
1: you know, an hour beforehand just just reading it over, delving into the mysteries of the biblical verse. Of the life of time? Yeah. Wow. Or All right. if I'm that doesn't work, just watch a movie, dude. You know? Yeah. There's other things on TV All right. that will affect you less.
2: Yeah. All right, man. All right, man. This was great. Uh, I want to thank you for your time. I am going to close uh, this
1: with a roar, but it is not a roar for the Lions. It is a roar for our new Sunday lives. Roar! Roar. See you later, buddy. Bye. Bye -bye. (laughs) Bye-bye.
2: And here is mine So let it be known For we have been through hell And high tide. I kind of think I can rely on you And yet you start to recoil Heavy words are so lightly thrown But still I leap in front Of a flying bullet for you So what difference does in my So what difference does it make? find work for idle hands to do. I stole and I lied and why? Because you asked me to. But now